join me, mate. Um, would you put your hands together for Phil Jones? You probably I, I, you're clapping. You're like, I don't know this guy. Who is this guy? But we're going to introduce that in a minute. We're going to keep on this theme. This whole idea of Volkswagen. Volkswagen reckons that their cars are worth just spontaneously kind of communicating about because they love the, the kind of all the different things that we just heard about there. Phil, just to give us a by way of a bit of an introduction to who you are, I've got some some pictures up here. Um, actually, Nick, I don't know where that one came from. So I'm, I'm looking for um, I'm looking for the ones. Could you? Yeah, can you quickly jump, Nick, to the ones that have uh, some people that look like Mexicans on them? Is that all right? We're going to there. Just Phil, tell us. We are from Mexico. What are these pictures? There we go. Who are these people here? Uh, this is making me miss them. Um, this is my family, uh, my wife, Sandy. Uh, we've got a daughter, Romina, or Romy, and uh, a little guy, Joshua, who's just a bundle of energy. Fantastic. And they are growing. They are growing. Now... Here's where you work. Could you tell us about this place in Mexico? Where is it? What is this? Yeah. Um, this is a place called Renovarte Cafe. Um, Renovarte Cafe? Renovarte Cafe. You've got to eat a little bit of chili to, okay, so, all right. to get your mouth around that. Renovarte Cafe. Yeah. Um, and it's located in Querétaro, Mexico. So that's like in the center of Mexico, um, a really a growing city. Uh, and that's the place where God has, has placed us to to reach out and, and make disciples amongst young people, kind of like the spreading out thing that, that you guys are walking through this month. It's good. Now, um, this, who are these people? This is our, our local team. Um, and so we, we've got a coffee shop. Uh, we serve good coffee, uh, which I really believe in. And, um, <laughs> so do we. That's a good thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, uh, and this is the local team that we're investing in. And so they're, they're working with us in the coffee shop. We're investing in their lives, and they're also investing in the lives of others. Uh, we're right in front of the uni, and, and we've got a bunch of young people there. Um, there's my wife. There's uh, Oscar and, and Luis at the back, Ari, Ere, Hannah, uh, Janet, and uh, Marcia. So, and, and Phil. Yeah, and Phil. It, it kind of doesn't... And uh, Phil. I, norm- I normally introduce myself as Felipe. Felipe. Felipe um, <laughs> in Mexico because it just solves a lot of problems, really. That's good. That's good. Um, do they all smile as nicely as this in Mexico? Yeah, that's the whole idea. It's the whole idea. Okay. <laughs> Very good. And this, what's happening here? Um, so this is the cafe full of people. And, um, and what we do in the cafe is really... We want it to be natural and organic um, because Jesus is the most important thing for us and we want, we want to share that with people. But naturally, like, because kind of like the Volkswagen ads, you know, it, if you're experiencing something that's so cool that gives life, we want to share that. And so the cafe is a space where we can do that, um, where people will come in. It's not a religious space. It's like a space where people come in and have a good cafe, enjoy a bit of conversation. But what we want to do is build relationship with them. And so that becomes part of our natural way of life and, and the way that we serve people. Um, we want them just to have a good experience uh, in the cafe and, and that that might lead to us, them seeing in us something different, it, it, that that life is in, of Jesus is in us and that, that they might be um, inspired by that, encouraged by that, want to know more about, about who Jesus is. And so that comes through conversation and relationship in the cafe. And then with our local team, we're, we're investing and in going long and deep in their lives about who Jesus is, uh, what he did, and, and how we can follow him and, and be like him, because that's really God's call and our lives. 
to, to be like Jesus. It's good. It's good. It's good. Now, if someone, there's a group of people here who know you, who grew up with you this morning, that are here this morning. And if, if they had have said, or if anyone had have said to you when you were 18, that you're going to end up marrying a Mexican lady, having Mexican children, working in a Mexican cafe, speaking Spanish. Yes. What would have you said to them at 18? Yeah. I think the ones who know me, like, no way. Um, I was, you know, in the local church, in, in doing kind of young adults ministry, stuff like that, but I never imagined going to another country and doing I thought that was kind of like, you know, for these special people that came and spoke at churches and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I was just finishing um, high school and I was going into the corporate world at that stage and uh, so that was, yeah, not on my radar at all. What first attracted you to Jesus, Phil? Or Filippo? <laughs> Felipe, there we go. Felipe. Yeah. <laughs> Did I just call you a girl or something? No, no, no. Felipe. Right. Yeah, okay. good. Um, when I was young, um, I kind of grew up in a, a church and that sort of deal. Um, it was like a little bit kind of... When I was young, I was kind of like, oh, this is pretty boring and stuff like that. But the first thing that connected me with Jesus was like that idea of sin and, and salvation, like needing to be a friend with God. But as I've grown, I think for me... It was, it's about hope and purpose and, and like experiencing his love and who he is. And so that's how I've kind of grown. You know, at first I kind of knew a little bit and just started, started growing. But I think for me, Jesus is really my hope and my purpose and, and something that's bigger than me. It's good. It's good. Yeah. How did you get to Mexico then? Ah, it was interesting because I feel like I'm kind of coming home here at NCR because um, I was serving here on, at Thursdays at 8. I don't know if that still exists, but like I was, yeah. Don't raise that. It's not existing right now. Keep going. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sensitive but when point. it is. Um, but, yeah, so I was serving here Thursdays and 8, and, uh, and God really spoke into my life as we were kind of going through what it means to, to live in the Spirit. And, uh, and God really spoke to me, and I had like a six-week period off, and, uh, off from my work, and I went over to Mexico short term. And God just changed my life through that, um, just shook my securities, my idols, um, and I really experienced his protection, his provision. Um, I had a bunch of, like, you know, practical problems uh, in that time. But the real thing was just a connection with the Mexican people, uh, with the space and, and with the need there, and just the joy of serving God with all that I am and all my time and energy and, and that sort of thing. And so I came back to Australia, worked for another two years, um, started kind of getting equipped, and then really saw that God had blessed me in so many ways and, and really connected with the word of God in, in Genesis 12, that he blessed Abraham in order to be a blessing. And I just went, wow, God, you've blessed me so much with so many different things. I want to be a blessing to other people. Where, can, where could that be? And uh, I kept on coming back to Mexico, to Mexico. And, and so God moved me out there in 2008 to Mexico full time. And, uh, and he's blessed me with a family, um, with a ministry, a privilege to serve him there and, uh, and life over in Mexico. It's lovely hearing you share your story, Phil. Has it all been smooth sailing when, when someone goes, yeah, God, I'm available, here I am, I'll go wherever, do whatever. Um, does it mean it's all perfect and mapped out and ease, easy? Oh, absolutely. No, no, okay. not at all. <laughs> um, it has been challenging. I, when I arrived in 2008, um, just for one example, the team that I was going to, um, where I was actually going to, to work in a cafe ministry, and then three and a half weeks after I arrived, that just went bust. And so... Um, I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, you called me to this. I've got equipped. You know, there's a, a bunch of people in Australia really excited about this. And then, <laughs> and then it just closed. And I was like, 
okay. And so we moved back into the local church. And God worked in my heart a whole lot in that time. But he really confirmed um, his calling on my life to say, okay, I want you to go out to where the people are. And so when I got married in 2010, um, with my wife and new family, I was, we were just praying through, what do you want us to do, God? We're here. We're available. Um, and so we started praying towards opening up a cafe ministry. And, uh, and that was kind of easy and hard at the same time because we, we had a plan. God seemed to be kind of putting things into place. But we had no money. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, Lord, but how do we do this? And God has always been faithful and, and provided at just the right time. Um, and that stretches your faith. And, and it's not easy. Like it, I, God permitted me to move into that, and it's really a whole lot of joy. But you kind of you leave comfort. You leave like things being easy, you, you leave kind of having a, a salary where you go, okay, yeah, that's kind of how things all, all work financially and all that sort of thing. And so um, there's a cost to it, but the reward is so much greater. Is there a common connection point to Jesus and Mexican people? Is there one element of who Jesus is that really communicates and connects with Mexicans? Yeah, um, and I think it, it's somewhat universal, but um, a lot of people in Mexico think or understand have been taught that god is like just a a condemning god you know uh, he's all powerful and way out there and uh and he just has got a list of things against you that you've done wrong um but when they meet jesus and when we live out jesus and love them and and when they start to understand who jesus is from the bible they see that he's he's a close god and he shows mercy and so when he starts to forgive and love the people that that have all these things that, that they thought were against them. And he just says, I forgive you. And, and he shows them mercy. I think that's just one thing that just disarms any of us, but, but particularly in the Mexican culture, because they're kind of coming with all this baggage about who they think God is. Uh, and when you kind of show them and demonstrate and, and talk about Jesus as a person who comes close to them, it's like, wow, I've never heard that before. I've never experienced that before. Um, I thought it was just kind of this religious thing and you've got to go and do this and do that and, and whatever. And so a personal Jesus that shows mercy is, is what really connects. It's really exciting and I'd love people to talk to you afterwards when we have a barbecue today out Great. there to kind of have some interaction and, and find out some more. How can we be praying for you, Phil? You're here for a short time and then you're back home again. You're catching out with friends yeah. and family, refreshing. Um, how can we pray for you? Yeah, um, I'd love... Um, some prayer for my family because I'm here by myself this time so missing uh, my wife and kids um, and they've got the the extra double responsibility that that I would normally carry some of that while I'm in Mexico so um, pray for my wife Sandy and my kids but also as we as I go back and and where we're going with with the ministry and movement and uh, in Mexico is that we want to just see disciples made that that are investing in other disciples of Jesus and, um, and so pray for the group that are there that are being equipped that they can start to reach out into their world um, and to go to the next step. And, um, and also we're having to, to restructure and grow a little bit and so that's changing my role as, as a leader uh, over there. Say, okay, well, I've got to pass on the baton uh, to some new people for some responsibilities and, and that's difficult because you've got to train up and, and you've got to kind of just let it go. And so... Yeah, that's kind of a process, and, uh, and God's leading us towards that. So um, he's doing some really amazing stuff, and, and we just want to be part of what he's doing over there in Mexico. So, so pray along those lines, please. That's good. How about we do that now? If you want to join him, I'm going to pray. God, I want to thank you for Phil. Pray for Sandy, the kids, just as he's away from them, that 
guard and keep him, but mostly would you uh, give him the capacity whilst he's here to just be able to, I guess, function and operate. And we just want to commit him to you over there in that space. Uh, God, I also pray for Phil just as he's needing to adjust his role and perhaps raise up and equip and build and kind of release people that um, give him the capacity to do that. And uh, would you go before him and continue to? I love that idea about the mercy that you bring and you give, that that might be really powerful and that that might be the thing on people's lips that they hear and see and feel and experience in you. So thank you for him. Thank you for the way we can partner with him a little bit here today. And just ask you may continue to provide a way forward. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you put your hands together for Phil? Thanks very much. Now's a good time for a break. Not to Mac Kit Kat this time. Gum. Who likes gum? Oh, I love gum. Oh. Mmm, appetite suppressant, sugar fix for the brain, gives my teeth something to do. Mmm, I love it. I chew gum all the time. I chew gum going for a walk. I chew gum playing sport. I chew gum having breakfast. I chew gum at the dentist. I love gum. How good is gum? And you can blow big bubbles and pop them on your face. I, I can't do that, but other people can. It's, oh yeah, right now it's like, it's like a disco around my tonsils. Oh, Mm. Do you like gum? Yeah, gum. Where's some gum? I got some gum. There you go. Have some gum. Yeah, chuck it in. What's it like? It's very good, cool, and refreshing, isn't it? Yeah, I love gum. Can you say gum? Say gum, 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 and like hubba bubba, hubba, hubba bubba, hubba bubba. Mmm. Can you blow a bubble? Can you blow a big bubble? No, good try. Oh, but how good is it? It's like, oh, it's like, it's like eating a cheesecake with just your hands, isn't it? Oh, how good is it? Mmm. Enjoy that because I like to share. It's good to share. Enjoy that. Mmm. Who else likes gum? Who likes gum? Bronte. You want some gum? Yes, please. There we go. Do you like gum? Yeah. Yeah. What's it like? It's good. It's good, isn't it? Refreshing. Yeah. Cools you down on a summer day. Mm. Can you blow bubbles? Nah. You can't? No. Does it still taste good? Are you loving yeah, it? it's good taste. Yeah, like in me right now, it's like, it's like a Tina Turner concert in my mouth right now. Right now. And everyone here is picturing it and can understand what a Tina Turner concert would be like in your mouth. Rolling on the river. You can feel it in your mouth. And you all want some gum now, don't you? Oh, enjoy it though. And I just want to share that with you. Sharing is good. Mmm. How good is this? Aiden, do you want some gum? Do you like gum? Yeah. Um, um, uh. <laughs> do you want some gum? Good to share. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. That was good. Now, in this room, I know that there are some really keen fishermen 
Any hands? I know we've got one right here on our staff. And you, you might have heard a few fishing stories from up here. Sorry about this, but I have a fishing story for you today. And I am not a keen fisherman. I've only been fishing a few times and had very little success. And uh, actually, I remember even one time being at a river with a friend fishing and we could actually see fish jumping out of the water and we still hadn't caught anything. And my friend next to me was getting really annoyed by this. It was probably just because we could see them. You know, when you think um, lines in, fish jumping out, it was like they were teasing us. And uh, my friend was getting really annoyed at this, which is kind of what happened in the Bible story that I want to show you today. Now, I have to set the scene. The picture that came up before, Nick... The one that came up when Phil was here. Can we put that one up to start with? And then I'll... Yes, this little picture is a nice lake. And um, it's got a few different names. The easiest one to pronounce is the Sea of Galilee. So on this lake, we have a few fishermen. Here they are in their boats. We've got uh, Simon and Andrew and James and John. And uh, this guy over here will focus the story on. Right here, this guy's Simon. Simon was particularly... Um, getting a bit frustrated, a bit like my friend when we were fishing. Now, you know they don't use rods. I actually brought a net to show you. This is, this is not a fishing net. This is a net for uh, netting fruit trees, I think. But anyway, I thought I'd do a demonstration. Is there one of the um, younger people who'd like to come and throw it for me? All right, Thomas, come out here. All right, so you grab one end, and the idea is that it's supposed to you bunch it all up, and you throw it, it spreads out, then it lands on the water, and you drag it back in. Do you want to give it a try? See how, how it goes. Yeah, not too bad. And drag it back in. Cool. Didn't really spread out, though, did it? No. Give him a clap anyway. Good job, Thomas. Thanks. All right. All right. So, you throw the net in. It lands on the water. You drag it back in, and hopefully there's a bunch of fish in it. But um, they weren't catching any fish. I don't know how long they'd been there, but um, we get to... Uh, actually, well, there's a picture of the nets coming out, uh, the real thing, as you can see them in the air there. But our story keeps going until the middle of the night, as you can see. So you can see our two fishermen there uh, in the dark, and I'll just keep an eye on the eyeballs there because the frustration really kick, kicking in. So Simon particularly is just getting really frustrated at not catching fish. So you throw that thing in there, you pull it back in, there's no fish in it, and uh, he's just getting really mad. Yeah, it's worth crying over. Because, because if you're not catching anything, it's like you're working for nothing. This is their job. You know, it's, like, it's not just that they're missing out on the thrill of catching the big one. No fish means no pay, in a sense. So he's really getting mad. There he is there. And we haven't even caught one fish. So he's mad. And probably... The others are not happy with Simon getting so frustrated. You know, when you're trying to achieve something, you're getting nowhere, and one person is really losing their cool, and it just doesn't help, does it? So they're getting really mad. They're not catching anything, but they keep going, keep fishing. Maybe they think if they keep fishing on till it gets, starts to get light in the morning, that maybe around dawn the fish will be out swimming around looking for breakfast. The fish eat breakfast? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so it gets a bit lighter. Here they are. And still they've caught nothing. And eventually they just give up. So they come into shore. They pull up their boats. They pull out their nets ready to start cleaning them. And um, 
there is a teacher, a religious teacher, and a massive crowd following him. So I think I've got here cleaning the net. There he goes. There goes the boot. Did, did you see that? It was quite quick. Hang on, I'll show you again. Uh, if I go back. And there he goes. There he So he's cleaning the net. You might have... You didn't catch it? No. Okay. All right. So here's the crowd. There's Jesus. And there's this crowd coming in. They're getting closer and closer. And um, Simon and Andrew are still cleaning out the uh, net there. And uh, they're just listening to Jesus speak as they're cleaning the net. The crowd are probably getting closer and closer. And it looks like they might need a little bit of crowd control. And then Simon looks up and he sees Jesus in the boat. And he's thinking... What's this guy doing in my boat? And uh, Jesus says, Simon, let's, uh, let's row out and put down the nets. Now, there's a few things that might have gone through his head at this point. He might have been thinking, I fish for a living and some stranger rolls up and is going to tell me how to fish when we've been doing this all night. He might have thought that, but he'd been listening to Jesus teach. And something about Jesus obviously impressed him. It might have been that he was different to the other teachers. He wasn't laying down the law, trying to be all important. He, was, um, he talked about God as if he really knew him. He talked to the people as if he really cared for them. So as Simon heard Jesus speaking, he was so impressed by him that he had a bit of respect when he answered. He said, Master, we've been fishing all night and we, we haven't caught anything. But because you say it, I'll do it. So they jump in the boat. I don't know if Andrew went with them or just Simon and Jesus. But in, in he goes. They row out. Actually, I think I've got... There he is in the picture. And then they catch a whole bunch of fish, except that one, and um, pull them in. And there's such a massive amount of fish in the boat that the boat is uh, almost sinking. In fact, they call over the other two guys, their partners, and they fill their boat as well. And Simon is amazed. Here he is amazed. Okay, he's looking very amazed. Um, and after the adrenaline wears off of pulling all these fish in, he starts to think about who Jesus really is. And he gets down on his knees and says, Lord, don't come near me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says to him, your job's going to change. Instead of catching fish, you're going to be bringing in people. And the four guys, they leave their... Actually, before we get to that one, the four guys leave their job, they leave their boats and their nets and all this massive big catch, and they go to follow Jesus. They start spreading out. When the people who met Jesus often just wanted to go straight out and tell people about it, like this one, the lady who met Jesus at the well... And after spending time with Jesus, she ran out into the town, calling out, Come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? So these people met Jesus, and they wanted to just go out and talk about it. They just wanted to tell people about him. They wanted to spread out. So the question is, how do we meet Jesus? If meeting Jesus starts with us, on this little journey of doing what Jesus wants to tell people about him, how do we meet Jesus? Now, back then, a few thousand years ago, when Jesus was walking around, I guess all you had to do was be in the right place at the right time to meet him. But what about now? Well, here's a guy who met Jesus. And this guy, his name was Jonathan Aitken. 
and um, he went to church all his life and um, he wasn't really involved. He didn't go to a midweek meeting or a, a, he didn't you know, read his Bible and pray much. He wasn't into it, but he went and he went for many years. Did he meet Jesus at church? Uh, well, no, he didn't. In the Bible, there was a guy called Moses who used to go up on top of the mountain to meet with God. So did Jonathan meet Jesus on top of a mountain uh, or out in nature by a nice lake or in a quiet spot? No. Here's where he met Jesus. In prison. And uh, on his first night in prison, Jonathan Aitken, that guy there, was a member of parliament in England and uh, tipped to to be the next prime minister But he lied in court and he was sent to jail. And uh, on his first night in jail, there was a lot of really angry looking um, jailers around him, a bit like this. And um, they were chanting that they wanted to kill him. They were chanting that they wanted to smash every part of his body. And um, that's when Jonathan met Jesus. He, um, in his cell, as he heard all these jailers uh, calling out how they were going to kill him, He got down on his knees and we used a few more words, but basically his prayer was, Lord, help me. And then he went to sleep. And as they were chanting, he slept soundly for um, the whole night. Well, in the morning, there was one of the prisoners who was rushing to get to him first. And um, I couldn't find a photo, so I drew a picture. He looked like, not the, yeah, there he is. So this guy, this guy was kind of pushing ahead of the crowd to get to Jonathan first. And uh, he said, "Uh, sorry about that, sorry about last night and all that, you know, we were chanting and um, Jonathan looked at him and then he held up a letter and said, can you read? And Jonathan took the letter and he read it and it was a letter of eviction for this man's wife and family and Jonathan uh, helped, he'd helped people in these situations before so he helped this man. He firstly read the letter to him and then he helped him form a letter of reply And news of this got right around the prison, how Jonathan had helped this guy. And soon there was a massive line of people all coming to his cell for help, all of these other prisoners. Some just wanted to learn to read and write, but some probably with legal legal advice they wanted from him. And one of the guys, whose name was Paddy, I drew a picture of Paddy too. Here he is. Um, Paddy, after Jonathan had helped him, he came with a thank you gift, and it was a pile of magazines. And uh, you might guess what type of magazines that Paddy might have had with him in prison there. And he handed over this pile of magazines to Jonathan. And Jonathan looked at them and saw what type of magazines they were. And he said, "Um, uh, no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. And Paddy said, why? And Jonathan said, well, I'm I'm trying to follow a different path now. And Paddy said, what path is that? Jonathan sort of swallowed a bit, a bit nervously and said, Uh, I'm trying to follow Jesus. And he expected Paddy to laugh at him or make fun of him or mock him. And Paddy said, I'd like to follow that too. And Jonathan was really shocked. And then Paddy said, how how do you do that? Now, Jonathan, who was a member of parliament, highly educated, been to church all his life, he actually scratched his head at that question. He didn't know how to start following Jesus when this prisoner called Paddy had asked him. So after a while, he said maybe pray and Paddy prayed a prayer he said sorry for the wrong things he'd done and he said to Jesus that he wanted to follow his pathway and Paddy changed well actually what Paddy said then is he said this news 
is too good for us not to share. He said, this news is just too good for us not to share. So he just went out into the prisons and he just, he just started talking to other prisoners. And pretty soon in Jonathan's cell, they had Bible studies. There was um, uh, murderers, armed robbers. There was even a guy who was uh, forging banknotes. All of them in Jonathan's cell having Bible studies together and praying together. And lives were being changed. And Jonathan was shocked when Patty said this. This news is too good for us not to share. But I kind of relate to this as well. Patty had met Jesus, Jonathan had met Jesus, and they wanted to tell people about it. And Jesus wants to meet with us. So, how do we meet with Jesus? Well, we talked about, we asked that question earlier. For Jonathan, it was just getting on his knees and praying. The thing is, with each of those people that met Jesus, there was a few things in common. They all started by saying to Jesus, you are Lord. Simon called him Lord or Master. Um, Jonathan in his cell said, Lord, help me. And even the woman who met him at the well, she, um, she called him Messiah. And that might be a good starting point to recognize that Jesus is the king of the world, the king of the universe, that he is our Lord. And each of those people said, do you know what? I want to follow you. They also each realized that they needed to change in some way. Jonathan, it was obvious, he was in prison. He knew he needed to change. Simon, when he was just around Jesus, he said, you know, said that, that phrase which we had before, I, I'm a sinner, you can't be near me. He just, when he was around Jesus, he realized his own shortcomings. He probably even thought about the night before fishing and losing his temper and other things. And he knew that he needed to change. And the woman at the well which we didn't go into that story a lot, but Jesus challenged her because she kept looking for meaning in life through relationships. And she got to the point of realizing she needed to change. So each of these people said, you're Lord. They realized they needed to change. They decided they wanted to change. And then they saw an amazing miracle and then went out to tell people about it. So how do we meet Jesus? I think the starting point is here of actually saying am I prepared to acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and when I think about this I think what if I thought Jesus really wanted me to do something that I just really didn't want to do or what if Jesus asked me to give up something that I just really didn't want to give up Simon and those other fishermen, Andrew, James, John, they left their job. They left probably a lot of money worth of fish. They left their boats. They left everything. Our friend Phil here left everything in Australia. What if he asked me to leave something that I didn't want to leave? That gives us a good indication of whether we're prepared to call him Lord. And do you know what? I, when you do that, though, of course... He does amazing things and then you want to go out and share about it. For me, I didn't see a miracle when I first met Jesus. I didn't see an amazing miracle. But when I came to understand what he'd done for me, I was a bit like Patty with this. This news is too good for us not to share. When I first understood that Jesus died, that he came alive again, that he 
that he offers us life, that good, amazing life that starts now and goes on forever, when I first realized that that's what he offered me, I thought, this news is just too good for us to share, too good for us not to share. Can we have the the band come up? Just with these stories, they remind us of the invitation. The invitation that Jesus wants to meet us. Now, if this is new for you, maybe a prayer for you could be, Jesus, show me who you are. But if it was a, it's been a long time since you first met Jesus, and maybe you don't have that excitement to still share about him, maybe it's time to meet him again, refresh, and perhaps to think about starting from that point of saying, you are my Lord. Thanks. Thanks.